one. Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the Game Time app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. Uh, it's got great selection. Anything you want to go to, it's there. And it's got an easy checkout. And of course, there's one game left before the Oilers head on the road trip. So if you want to see the Rangers on Tuesday, check out Game Time. And right now, Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you have to do. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit's only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December 31st, so make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. Welcome to the Oil Can Podcast. I'm your host today, Jonathan Willis, and joining me is Daniel Nugent Bowman. How are you, Daniel? I'm well. I'm, I'm getting over the, the holiday um, fun, I guess we'll call it, with lots of stuffing, lots of turkey, lots of mashed potatoes, and uh, you know, it's starting to feel like a work week again, although we're, we, we, we do have New Year's and New Year's Day in the middle of New Year's Eve, so it's kind of a weird back-to-work week for, for most people if, if everyone is going back. Are you are you are you fully in back to work week mode, John? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm fully back to back to the work. I uh, I'm, I'm traveling on New Year's um, New Year's Day to get to, right. to Buffalo for this upcoming five game trip. So I I don't really get that holiday, and then I've I've got some stuff to do. I I know you did some stuff over the weekend too. So I think we we both ended up working Friday in the weekend, but. Uh, that's okay. It was nice to get a couple of days off, and I. Well, you were saying before the show, you actually uh, you cooked a turkey, which I've I have honestly never done. How how is this your first one? Actually, well, I don't know if I can take the credit for last year's, but but I think I stepped up a little bit more this year. Um, there might be uh, somebody not on the podcast that might dispute that claim, um, <laughs> but I think the turkey went pretty well, and uh, you know what? It was we've actually been. Uh, hiding it in a lot of various uh, meals from from here on end, and uh, it's almost gone. So I think we've done a great job um, getting rid of, of of the bird, which is uh, kind of a weird way to say it when it's when it's so delicious <laughs> and only have it once a year. But uh, Christmas, I guess, is is almost over at the at the Nugent Bowman House. <laughs> well, it's it's funny how that works, eh? Because you always get the uh, the post turkey dinner turkey leftovers. I I enjoy it. I know people have mixed feelings about it, but uh, I, I'm a fan personally. <laughs> Absolutely. So I, I guess we have some actual news to talk about, too. Um, for the, anyone who might have missed it, Marcus Granlund and Brandon Manning cleared waivers and were assigned to the Bakersfield Condors. And coming up in their place are Kyler Yamamoto and William Lagason. So I, I guess we should start with the guys who went down. I wanted to ask you, Daniel, about Brandon Manning, because I know you wrote about him. He's a pending unrestricted free agent, and he hasn't had much opportunity to play this year. Is is this a good move from him for his from his perspective, at least in the sense that he should now get to play? Yeah, I, w- I would I would think so. I mean, he was pretty clear with me uh, back in September, uh, in the middle of training camp, because uh, I you know I spoke to him for for several minutes um, just to kind of get a gauge on where he is in his career. I mean, last year was such a a weird kind of disappointing year for him where. He goes to, uh, excuse me, Chicago on a new contract and, and uh, you know, thinks this is a, you know, 
good step in his career. And then, you know, 20 games or so into the season, Joel Quinville, uh, his former coach, gets fired and he, and he really doesn't kind of connect uh, in terms of, of getting ice time or playing time or anything like that with his new coach, Jeremy Colleton. Uh, and of course, uh, comes to Edmonton and, and what's now obviously been an ill-fated trade uh, was pretty clearly at the time, obviously, to a lot of people uh, where the Oilers get rid of Jake, Drake Kajula in the deal. Uh, kind of is, is here for, you know, a, a couple of weeks, or a few weeks rather, uh, doesn't play a ton in that time. And then when um, when Andre Sekera comes back, he's he's a casualty that gets sent to Bakersfield, he doesn't even play in the playoffs. So um, he, he really felt like, you know, this is the last year in, uh, of his contract uh, before, you know, being a free agent again, and he really needs to play games, and, and that really hasn't happened for, for the for the Oilers this season. I, I, I think he's at, uh, so he might even, I don't have in front of him, he might even be in single digits still. Um, but uh, he hasn't played since mid-November, um, and, and he's played very, very sporadically over that time. So, um, you know, I, I, he's he's in a situation now where uh, we could he could be in real, really big trouble uh, if he's trying to find a new deal for for next year. So I think he needs to start playing some games. Um, you know, showing teams that at least he can be a competent player uh, in, at the pro level. What now, obviously, the AHL is a little bit different than the NHL, but he needs to kind of show, start showing something. Uh, and um, from that point on, um, he might be. In, you know, looking at it, either a league minimum deal or a um, you know a you know a PTO or, or something in Europe, but it, it's it's not a good situation for him. Um, but he needs to start somewhere, and, and I think going to Bakersfield at least gives him that opportunity because uh, teams aren't going to know what a player has in him uh, while sitting in the press box. I, I think I think you're probably right about that. To me, he's he's sort of in that. Maybe he's a number seven defenseman if he lands somewhere where they they like his skill set particularly. I didn't think he was that bad in the hundred odd minutes or whatever he played for for Edmonton this year, but uh, certainly in in sort of that fringe NHL category at this point. I, I do wonder if getting him down to Bakersfield might be a good thing. It it seems to me that I, not that I followed Bakersfield as as closely as I would like to this year, just for you know you run into time constraints, but. I think Evan Bouchard might benefit from playing with somebody like Brandon Manning, um, at least from a distance. It looks and sounds like uh, Keegan Lowe has has had some difficulties. He was supposed to sort of be the you know the veteran left shot guy, um, and and with Lagesson coming up, you know maybe maybe there's a role for Manning down there where he can um, sort of stabilize things. What did you think of uh, Granlund being the odd man out from this forward group? Would he have been your choice? Mm, I mean, probably if they want to make a shakeup, I mean, he hasn't played in a couple, or you know, he hasn't played in a couple games. Uh, he was kind of in and out of the lineup in in in, um, in December. Really, aside from that little stretch at the end of the uh, the Southwest U.S. trip at the end of November, hasn't done much of anything offensively. Um, I know Patrick Russell hasn't played a ton either recently. But I liked your, you know, the point you made in your piece about the the call ups and and uh, roster moves there uh, the other day. I guess it was yesterday um, that you know there's there's a cap benefit to having uh, Granlund be the odd man out as opposed to Russell, who's at that league minimum territory. Um, you know, if it wasn't going to be Granlund, 
I'm trying to just rack my brain as to who it could have been other than uh, the other guy that gets sent down, or that hasn't played a lot, rather, and has already been sent down at one point this year, Sam Gagne, but I don't think you want to do that. Um, you know, I, I I would actually be playing him more than yeah he has been playing because he's one of the few guys that has been able to kind of generate anything offensively. Uh, again, uh, you know, you don't want to be playing him a, a ton, and I think you, we kind of know what he is at this point of his career. But uh, to be clear, I wouldn't have sent down Gagne. So that, I mean, really, that, that to me leaves uh, Marcus Granlin because the other guy that was kind of, I guess, on the outs uh, a little while ago was um, Joachim Nygaard, and, and I, I don't think you're sending him down with the way he, he's he's kind of been able to move up and down the lineup and, 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 and maybe uh, potentially play in, on a top, uh, or on a second line, so um, Granlin seemed to be the uh, the odd man out to me. Um, so I, I, I'm only surprised in the sense that they're moving out a guy um, that you know he was arguably their biggest uh, free agent signing in, in the summer. <laughs> um, I mean that's obviously a low bar in the sense that they signed a lot of guys, but a lot of one year contracts and 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 kind of show me guys. Um, but to send out a veteran on an NHL deal who who was a, a you know a free agent signing of this regime is um, is at least a little bit surprising, uh, but probably the right move. Well, they, when I'm I'm doing the uh, an Oilers report card piece for today, actually, it's probably it'll probably be up by the time this airs, or I hope it'll be up by the time this airs. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they, but they've got a bunch of they've like they've got like six of these guys that are, are all kind of um, interchangeable to me. But to me, what works against Granlund in particular is that he's not a key component on the penalty kill. So, I mean, you can make a case for Kara, Shahan, or Archibald all being, you know, not especially impressive NHLers this year, but all of them have been really good on the PK. So Granlund, ha, you know, he's played a bit, but he hasn't been essential. He hasn't been one of that core group before. And I don't think you want to get into the centers because you're already, you know, it gives you a little bit of flexibility having a guy like Gaetan Haas who hasn't, you know, he's played more lately. And I, I think he's actually played reasonably well, but he hasn't mm-hmm. been used a lot this year. And so then you, you just kind of get down to Granlund and Russell. And at that point, I mean, why not send down the more more expensive guy, right? And, and to me... Um... Granlin, it's it's funny because he's a guy that you know he can be sl- like he can do different things. You know he can play center a little bit. You saw that uh, at Madison Square Garden and a couple games after that. You know we're going back to October now. Um, obviously has at times been able to to play up in the lineup. Uh, can kill penalties, but he doesn't particularly do any of those things all that well. So he, you know, he, he, you know, he has a lot of flexibility for a coach, but you can't really trust him in a lot of these spots. So, um, you know, then doesn't give you a lot of flexibility as a coach because you don't know what the heck to do with him. So, um, it reminds me kind of, 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 you know, those, those kind of guys, tough guys in the, um, kind of late 90s and, and whatnot that could play forward and defense, but you knew they couldn't do any of them <laughs> very well, so they just kind of filled out a roster spot. Um, and that's, to me, what Marcus Gramlin has been this year. It's, um, one of the more kind of vexing players on, on this team, and um, I think Calgary and Edmonton, or and Vancouver fans, rather, would, would know a lot about um, kind of the um, uh, kind of problematic uh, nature he can create on, on a roster because of, of those t- things I've alluded to. So, um, again, yeah, it's just it's just more of a, uh, 
I don't want to say indictment, but uh, you know, uh, uh, clearly a signing that didn't work by Ken Holland. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily, again, wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily fault him for that because of the kind of the cap constraints, and he was trying to bring in some guys that that did, you know, produce and and you know did bring different things to the bottom six. Um, and that's why he signed these guys to one-year deals uh, at a, on a tra- in a transition year. Rather, um, clearly, Marcus Granlin hasn't worked and. I don't think he'll be back next year. So you, you kind of move on, you cut your losses, and um, find another guy that that, uh, that can play for next year. Yeah, it seemed like he kind of went into, uh, Ken Holland, that is, sort of went into the summer with a, a grab bag approach where he'd get a bunch of these guys who were in their, their mid-20s, um, some European players, some American League players, and, and then some NHL players who hadn't been qualified by their respective clubs, and, and just hope that one or two of them panned out. And so far, you know... N- I wouldn't say any of them really have, but it. I, I don't know to what degree that's the on the players versus the the situation playing in Edmonton. Uh, I, I guess the the thing that you pointed out, you know, that it was just a one year deal in in basically all of these cases and not for a lot of money. It, it doesn't really hurt them. I, I know Holland's taken some blowback for his approach this summer, but the only forward signing that I thought I kind of looked a little bit sideways at at the time was the the Chase on deal. And I, I think that's, you know, you mentioned Gagne earlier. I think that's one of the things that's worked against Gagne is that Chason, Gagne, and James Neal are all sort of secondary offensive producers, but there's only one power play spot really for the three of them. And, and Chason and Neal have been kind of sharing it, and uh, none of these line combinations have been particularly good, although, you know, Gagne at least has scored a little bit five on five. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, I'm trying to I just pull up the roster, and I'm kind of going down the list here in terms of guys that Ken Holland signed in the offseason and which one has worked. And, uh, you know, basically, you know, you look at the the top of the, um, the scoring chart for, for for the Oilers, and, and James Neal's there. Uh, that wasn't a, a signing. It was actually, you know, obviously a good move in terms of the um, getting rid of Lucic and, and, and the contract and, and all, you know, that's been uh, talked about, at, you know, at length, even though James Neal's five on five play hasn't been great. I think you'd call that uh, a win. And then, you know, you're looking down to, to Gaytan Haas with seven points. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not a, a really great, uh, um, kind of uh, situation and and, and uh, the results aren't there for uh, what Ken Holland has, has been able to do this summer, but um, you know, you mentioned the chase on signing, and I know you've talked to a little bit before how you probably wouldn't have made that signing had you known that James Neal was was um, was coming uh, to this team and, and being placed on this roster. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that's a, f- a fair point because uh, Chase on now, uh, I don't think anyone ever wanted him or expected him to be a, you know a top two line player, um, but basically hasn't been for for large parts of the year. Um, kind of in and out of that first power play um, lineup that he was a fixture on for, you know, the last, you know, four-fifths of the season last year uh, and 12 points in 36 games um, is, is tough. The only the only uh, saving grace, I, I would say, is, you know, obviously you'd probably want him on that one-year contract now, but, you know, two years at, at 2.2 or 1.5, 2.15 rather, uh doesn't kill you um, cap-wise, um, could provide a little bit of flexibility if, say, somebody like Gagne uh, leaves after the season with the with him being a free agent. Um, there are worse moves you can make, but obviously the, the, the chase on one uh, in retrospect doesn't look all that great either. 
Well, and, like Chase, the, the problem is that so much of Chase on his utility last year was as a power play specialist. I, I actually wrote a piece last spring where I said that uh, two years and one and a half million was as high as I'd go in the Oilers' shoes. And then, you know, Neil coming in obviously changes that dynamic and makes him even even more redundant. Although, I'm, you know, to be honest with you, I look at that contract and I'm, I'm just glad the player was able to cash in a little bit because he had, he, had, he was he's one of those guys who's, you know, always on the fringes of the NHL roster and... Uh, NHL careers are short. He came in on a PTO. He he was great value the one year, and uh, you know, good for him for getting a little bit of money here at a at a point in his career where it, it looked like he he wasn't going to get that kind of payday. Sure, um, like and he was PTO the, the previous year too. I mean, it's <laughs> nice for yeah. him to walk into camp with uh, with some money in his in his jeans and, and a guaranteed uh, contract. Um, but you know. Um, it's too bad. I, you know, I, I really enjoy uh, speaking uh, with, with Chase on. I find him really engaging and uh, find, uh, you know, when, when he's on his game and, uh, you know, doing what he what he can do around the net, he, he's a, he can be a decent player, a decent specialist. But obviously this year it, it hasn't really worked out. And, you know, maybe something kind of turns the corner for him in the back half or, or into next year if he is retained uh, and, and kept on for the last year of his deal. But... Yeah, again, that hasn't hasn't really worked out, obviously, for, for Ken Holland and the Oilers. So one of the players that uh, Chason will be competing with for minutes now will be Kyler Yamamoto. What surprised me about this call-up a little bit I, was that, you know, Yamamoto's a natural right wing, and I, I look at the Oilers roster, and it seems to me like they have some options at right wing, more so than at left wing. And I thought Tyler Benson might get the nod ahead of Yamamoto. Um, obviously, both players very close. Do you have any sense of where Yamamoto is going to play once he arrives? Well, if you look at the lines uh, from uh, the most recent practice, which was Saturday, I could see him, you know, going maybe as high as the second line with with uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Um, the tip off there is that. Um, um, Sam Gagne, whenever you know he he was on uh, that line with Nugent Hopkins, and and sometimes at practice, uh, Gagne tends to be a placeholder uh, for you know what happens with with a roster move later that day or the next day or what have you because uh, he has been scratched so frequently. So um, if you're bringing Yamamoto in, I, I think you're looking at him as kind of a middle six winger, um, and so that that kind of makes the most sense based on what we saw the other day. Um, we're going to probably get a better sense of that later today at practice. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if he gets a shot with Nugent Hopkins and, and maybe somebody like Jujar Kara, who I believe was the other winger, um, with Nugent Hopkins on Saturday. So that that kind of makes the most sense just how based on how Tippett had the lines the other day. But uh, I think, yeah, again, if you're bringing him up, you know, you, you don't want him on the fourth line. You don't want him in the press box. Um, you're probably, you know, I guess, you know, if you're, if, if he continues or goes back to, to the three center approach, um, all bets are really off because everyone, all three of those centers need, need wingers. Uh, and of course we've talked about it nauseum how the, the others are pretty thin <laughs> everywhere on the wings. So, Really, all bets are off. But you know, if you were going with that two center approach and McDavid and Drysaddle were together with, you know, logically or, or presumably Zach Cassian, I think that's a spot for for Yamamoto with with Nugent Hopkins. Um, but um, I think that's where he'll be. But I think we'll find out a little bit more later today that it'll be a little bit clearer. 
yeah, I guess it's sort of a sort of a silly question to go into too depth on right now before we we see what the coach has in mind. But I I, I lean towards you being correct on that, and um, partially because you know this is the trials and tribulations of Sam Gagne podcast today. Uh, but he he has been a placeholder, as you say. And and the other thing is, if you think about Kara and Nugent Hopkins. Yamamoto adds a little bit of speed to that line, which could use it. And I, I think um, Kara, you know, if you're if you're looking at what Yamamoto doesn't bring, it size and strength. So maybe you want Kara on the other wing on that line. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to stick Yamamoto next to Leon Drysaddle right now, just because he's uh, he's going through his own struggles, and I I don't think that's a a fair place to put a rookie. No. Well, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is also going through his, his struggles too. So, um, unless you're putting I, I him with Connor, Mc- <laughs> yeah, unless you're putting him with Connor McDavid, who I mean, his uh, his pace lately hasn't been you know uh, to the same you know degree that it you know two points a game degree that it that it has been the first part of the year. Um, so yeah, I I I've just kind of you know taking a little shot at you john but i mean really it's uh it's uh it's, it hasn't been it hasn't been so great here the last 15 games right so um but i would agree with you i think i think i think um that line if it is the case with with nugent hopkins and, and drew jarkara gives you a little bit like there's some different parts to that line um you know yamamoto you you want he would probably be the scorer of that line, which uh, it does put a little bit of, of kind of pressure on him because it's not going to be uh, Jujar Kara and, and Nugent Hopkins is I would consider him more of a you know a playmaker and somebody who's uh, you know with seven goals through thirty five games is uh, obviously not lighting it up, but um, anything that they could get really out of us out of a second line is gravy uh, to go back to our Christmas conversation <laughs> earlier. Um, <laughs> For this team, because they, I mean, the 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 secondary scoring has been so so abysmal this season, and you know as it was last. So, um, you know, I think they're they're in a you know in a case where you basically want to try anything, and I think that's just as good a spot to try new, uh, Yamamoto than than any anywhere else. Well, and you know what? Maybe you've hit on something there in terms of why Yamamoto was recalled over Tyler Benson. Yamamoto. You know, he, he's uh, theoretically, at least, <laughs> a bit of a goal scorer. Uh, Ty- Tyler Benson, a wonderful playmaker, but maybe if you're if you're looking for a guy that you're, you're hoping is going to shoot a little bit more, maybe, you know, maybe Yamamoto is your choice. Um, the other player who came up uh, in, with these weekend moves was William Lagesson. This is actually his, his second recall this season, I believe, but didn't get to play last time. Does he get to play this time? Well, that's a good question. Um, I will say yes, <laughs> but <laughs> not very convincingly. I mean, I, I can't keep bringing him up for, uh, for nothing. Uh, I, w- I would guess he'll get uh, a shot tomorrow against the Rangers. Um, likely in the place of probably Caleb Jones. I don't think um, Dave Tippett has the... Um, stomach or the the gumption per se to to scratch somebody like Chris Russell, um, and that's really the only the only other guy that I could see coming out. I mean, you're not taking out Nurse, you're not taking out Clapbaum, uh, can't see them taking out Larson, and then Ethan Bear. I know he's he's had some struggles lately, but um, for what he's done this year and and the t- you know the, how much they're still relying on him, I, I can't see him coming out either. So. Um, 
the the I guess the the interesting point about calling up Langston, and I'm sure we'll get to this a little bit later, is is um, um, obviously they they need a seventh defenseman. Uh, Matt Benning is still on IR, and uh, I, you know I talked to him uh, on Sunday uh, for a piece, or sorry Saturday for a piece that was published yesterday Sunday, uh, and he's uh, you know he's getting closer. I think he's optimistic that he can come back in the new year, but he's you know he's still um, not taking much contact, hasn't from formally cleared for contact. Um, and, uh, clear, uh, you know, it's very unlikely that that will happen in, in time for the game against the Rangers. So they do need a, at least a seventh defenseman. Um, and if you're going to make a change, um, where you bring in, a, bring up a guy instead of, um, just leaving Brandon Manning in the press box, I, you know, I, to me, I think you're, you're going to want to play that guy. Like, uh, don't remember off the top of my head, the specifics behind, um, legs and recall uh, earlier in the year, but um, you know I, I know there. I remember there being some injuries. At, at this case, they have six healthy defensemen. Um, Brandon Manning was that placeholder in the in the in the press box uh, as the seventh. Um, so if you're going to make a change, and, and you probably want to have that player come in and and kind of get minutes and, and be an active part of that defense core. So. I would suspect he'll play, but, you know, obviously he's come up in the past uh, and hasn't played, so um, yeah, all bets are kind of off there, but I, w- I would I would take the, the play versus the, the, the not play if, if I had to be a betting man. Yeah, so obviously they, the, the Oilers are, are facing the Rangers tomorrow. Uh, this, we... The, the Athletic has a has a podcast about the Rangers Blue Shirts Breakaway with Ryan Mead and Greg Kaplan. Uh, they bring you Rangers news, takes, and expert interviews twice a week, just like we do here on the Oil Can Podcast. So check them out if you want insight into what the Rangers look like coming into tomorrow's game. The, the player I wonder about, and I, I want to get to what you said about Benning because I thought that was a great piece. Um, I, I do wonder a little bit about Chris Russell because his minutes are, I think, as low as they've ever been as an oiler. And uh, his results over the last, it, it's kind of gone under the radar, but over the last, I don't know, 15, 20 games, I, I think the Oilers have been outscored something like 6-1 when he's on the ice. So that's that's something where maybe there's an injury we don't know about, or maybe it's a case of a, a coach and player being misaligned. We know sometimes that happens with, with coaching changes, but but maybe there's an opening there um, for, for somebody like William Laguson to step in. But but I, I really wanted to talk about Benning because I, I thought that was... It was so interesting to hear him talk about the the long term health repercussions of concussions because I, I think when you know a lot of young athletes you hear them talk and and you can just imagine the pressure they're under and that they're putting on themselves to to get into the games and play and get back as quickly as they can and how frustrating it must be especially when the team's losing to be out of it. But what really struck me about what Benning said to you was that he's he's completely cognizant of the fact that. You know there are there are lo- there's long term and significant downside if you if you come back from head injuries too quickly. Yeah, I think I th- I think um, a lot of players are starting to to realize that, or at least I hope that's the case because, um, you know, he, he kind of mentioned there that he um, he he's seen what other players have have kind of gone through recently, um, and you know he mentioned you know you only have one brain right like um, <laughs> these these. You know, you can't mess with with those types of injuries, and I, um, you know, I, I feel for him because he's, uh, um, had, you know, had two, and, and they've been really 
fluky injuries too. I mean, he gets clubbed in the head with a stick by Vander Kane. Um, you know, yeah. I, obviously accidentally, but it was unpenalized. Um, and and then he comes back and his first game gets a shot in, in the head while he's looking for his man, uh, like who to cover in front of the net and gets hit with a puck. So, um, you know, it's, those are, are <laughs> pretty bizarre injuries for for a, for a hockey player too. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I certainly feel for him. He's he's been out of the lineup for you know month and a half, say for one game. Um, but I think he, he realizes and, and articulated that, you know, that's could be nothing compared to missing a lot more of your career, excuse me, or, or potentially having, uh, your career end. And, and that should be the case for any, any player who, um, who suffers a concussion. I, I think, um, it, it continues, the, the things continue to kind of get better. And I think players continue to realize things on that front. Um, and, and it was a real game changer, um, I believe it was 2011 when uh, Sidney Crosby got got his concussion and um, I guess multiple um, uh, in back-to-back games he, he took a, a hit against uh, Tampa in the next game um, and and missed you know, months and and uh, I think that really kind of changed the the conversation uh, for for players and for for the league I, I would hope um, because it's it's such a I mean. I think, you know, the other thing is, you know, players, I think, get pretty frustrated because, you know, any other injury or almost any other injury, you get a timeline. You know, you break your wrist yeah. or you, whatever. It's it's four weeks. It's six weeks. It's eight weeks for, for you know, Adam Larson at the beginning of the year. He, he kind of knew when he was going to be able to come back when he when he injured his leg and, and for a concussion or for any type of, of head injury. It's, it's so unknown and there's so many... Um, you know, obviously every situation is different, and that's just it. But there can be some some pretty dark days, and um, you know, you really feel for for guys that go, that uh, have to go through that. But in the same case, I think uh, a player's long term health is is most important uh, than any anything in that situation. And I think and I hope that's something that uh, Benning realizes, and that uh, potentially other players should and do realize as well. Absolutely, and I don't even know if it's just the players. Like I, I think. Well, of course, of course, it's not just the players. Like it's 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 us too, as as observers of the game, as fans of the game. I, I think a lot of the safety changes over the past decade have been driven by this awareness that uh, that there's a long term cost to all these things. I, I know for me. I like I, I used to like I'm I'm like most kids. I think that that grew up in Canada watching hockey. I I love the big hit compilations. I used to you know I. You know, you'd watch Scott Stevens line up Eric Lindros or Paul Correa or, or whoever, and and just just deck him, and and it was one of those moments where, at least for me, I didn't, I didn't clock the the long term damage that was being caused by stuff like that, and 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 for me personally, I I've grown far more aggressive in terms of what I'd like to see in terms of punishments from the league, in terms of. Uh, changes to the rules to take hits to the head out of the game in terms in terms of my tolerance of fighting within the game just because i like i, I understand hockey's a physical game you're never going to get away from that but but at the same time i i feel almost a little bit guilty with the idea that you know my entertainment is um is is potentially causing these these problems for guys down the road like you read some of the stories and they're absolutely heartbreaking yeah and, and you mentioned paul korea and um, 
he was kind of um, thought or, you know, everyone kind of viewed him as this hero for coming back in that game and, and scoring a goal. Obviously, we're talking about that cup final with, with New Jersey uh, in 2003. Um, but that that was a, um, you know, that, you know, I, I'm glad that there are some um, kind of return to play protocols now in terms of the quiet room. Obviously, there that is far from a perfect, uh, uh, you know, situation that they have with the league right now because you see some some hits and, and wonder like why the heck wasn't this guy removed from the game or you know it's it's, it's still an imperfect science but um <laughs> i mean you're right i mean the game is, has changed so much and the um kind of the, the things we kind of view i think as entertainment have, have changed i think uh, and and for the better i mean I, the game is a lot more skilled and and there's still there's room for physicality but um some of these you know, terrible, you know, blindside hits and, 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 um, you know, stage fighting and those types of thing, things have basically been removed from the game. And I think it's better for it. Um, I mean, and just kind of go back on the, on the Benning situation. Um, and I don't think you were, you were, uh, kind of alluding to anything differently, but, uh, we should be clear that, um, both of the inst- instances that, uh, or incidents rather that, that, uh, he, kind of uh, was part of uh, were, were, were pretty odd uh, getting a stick in the yeah. head and getting a puck in the head so he wasn't like he, he you know he took a, a vicious hit or anything like that but but the point still remains that you know the, the return to play protocols and, and, and getting a player back healthy uh, when he does take a blow to the head is, is the most important thing yeah Benny man he's just had rotten rotten luck with that this year and, and you're right just just two inadvertent plays and, and those are never going to come out of the game which is why it is so important that you know players appreciate the the long-term ramifications and and lead and the league and teams you know take it seriously which you know to the Oilers credit and to Benning's credit is it seems to be what's happening here uh, I want to thank everybody who uh, listened to the show today and and thank you for, for listening to us every week please rate and subscribe the oil can on Apple if you click on the show URL, that's theathletic.com slash theoilcan, you can also get a 40% off your subscription to The Athletic. Uh, we also offer a, a second bonus episode of the podcast, which isn't available for free once you subscribe. So definitely sign up to hear that. For Daniel Nugent-Bowman, I'm Jonathan Nunes.